It's Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. get some we got a lot to talk about and it's days like this where we have a lot to talk about we know you have a lot to talk about how do you do that 301-230-0980 it's russell and medhurst with you again from nine until noon we're here every day we've had a lot of new folks here lately appreciate you stopping by you're always welcome three minutes three hours whatever you can give us every day we are much appreciative russell's on the other side of the board maddie's in the other room and Scott Turner's packing up an office. Pretty simple yesterday. And and look, I mean, I wouldn't go. I, I, it's not cowardly because that's you know that that's too strong a word. But Ron Rivera yesterday knew that that's the move he was making. Didn't want to answer the questions. Martin Mayhew didn't want to answer the questions. And of course, after they talked, what do they do? They blow out Scott Turner. <laughs> so. You know, Russell, you've sat in all these things, man. That that was about as predictable. I, I mean, look, go play, go play Powerball or whatever. That was so predictable yesterday, yeah. knowing that we weren't going to hear from him now probably until free agency. Did starts. we not talk about that at eleven thirty ish yesterday absolutely. morning? I 100%. mean, one hundred percent. I mean, now, did I think it was going to happen at four o'clock via leak to JP Finley? No. I, I mean, I thought it would happen at four o'clock via leak to Ian Rappaport. Or Shefty or Ba-dum-bum-tsh. you know, whatever. Jeremy Fowler. Give Finley well, Finley look, Finley's I, Finley's in the te- house, man. I know, Finley I'm just teasing. Fin- I'm they just roll teasing. Finley out there at halftime so he can get the crowd pumped up. Hey, I don't know what's gonna happen here in the second half, but uh, you know, hey, we're gonna they're, just, they're gonna go play hard. All right. Back I'm to just you. teasing. JP's my guy. I mean, how hey, good for him that he was in the right spot at the right time. I'm just saying I expected the lead to happen to Jeremy Fowler or Ian Rappaport. Sure. You know. Uh but I was also Look, we said yesterday morning after the press conference at right around roughly 11.35, go check it out on the Odyssey Rewind. They were firing Scott Turner. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They didn't want to answer the questions. They didn't want to answer the questions about why it happened, what went wrong, what the uh, potential future holds, all of that. So they basically, lying would be a stretch. They weren't honest. (laughs) <laughs> they weren't forthcoming. They weren't. Tr- they weren't transparent. Let's put it that way. But in a way, because of that one answer, you know, when asked, I think by Standig, how uh, he did Scott his did, job. He did his job. <laughs> It was he, like we said he, at the time. It wasn't a ringing endorsement yeah. of he did his job, right. and, and we look forward to having him back again next yeah. year. He did his job, and oh, by the way, what I'm not going to tell you guys is I just fired his ass. Yeah, 
You know, and listen, I take no joy, no relief. No, I, I mean, I don't know Scott really well at all. But there's no look. There's you know, never high any and joy kind of thing. Yeah, because, look, it's just like our industry when people get let go yeah. in our industry, and many times for a lot of times not their own doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's know. gonna happen to one one day to us. Yeah, budget budgets usually you know mash people. So there's no joy in anybody right. ever losing their job. We simply evaluate why it happened, and we we. We'd kind of, you know, look, we got a sense of this with Sam Fortier's story that came out, uh, you know, o- over the weekend. And, you know, I mean, look, you even go back in some of the video, I forget who posted it, Brian Robinson talking uh, after the Giant game. And he mentioned some of the play calling. And it was it was apparent at that point that there was some splintering mm-hmm. happening yep. between the players and the offensive coordinator. And I wonder, I'm wondering right now if if maybe Scott was the guy that pushed more for Carson Wentz than even Ron Rivera. I mean, based on f- stated public philosophies, you would think, yes, that was the case. Whereas Scott has always been identified as, well, Taylor Heineke's his guy. Listen, guys can have lots of guys, 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 guys. Mm-hmm. I mean... Just because Taylor Heineke was rescued off the couch, remember the unique circumstances that Taylor Heineke was rescued off the couch. Yeah, because Denver Denver had to play a game with a wide receiver exactly. and quarterback. Remember, that wasn't their plan to start Taylor Heineke against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and freaking Tom Brady, okay? That was because Alex Smith literally could not move. Um, so, like this notion that Scott is hitched and married to Taylor Heineke the whole time, and that's the only quarterback of his eyes, the apple of his eyes. Not true. Now, Ron said, I'm the one that looked at the bleeping papers. I wish – we got to get that cut. We got to get that cut. You know, that was – that's my fault. I, I, I should have, like, insisted on that cut because that's Ron at his most – fiery and piss and vinegar style uh, after the Chicago. I'm the one who looked at the bleeping papers. Me. Me. Now, what he doesn't tell you is that if Scott Turner was standing on the table for Carson Wentz, you know, we discussed some of this the last couple of days. If he, if he really said, look, Ron, if you just get me this guy, if you just get me a guy with a rocket for an arm, I can make the running game and the play action and the chunk play downfield game all work. I can marry it all together. We'll be we'll be great. Oh, and and while you're at it, instead of getting me a new offensive lineman, can you get me a new wide receiver? Because mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel, the guy that we all wanted last year, can't stay healthy. And they ultimately, did ultimately, they did all of that. Yep. And you know, look, I don't know if we're ever going to find out how influential Ron uh, Scott was, but but he, but here's a little bit of a clue. Scott was given a three-year contract extension before last year. I don't remember exactly when we found out about it. I think it was after the Wentz trade, maybe even after the draft, but that doesn't mean that's when it happened. Scott was given a three-year contract extension because he was in good graces, because Ron thought highly of what he was able to coddle together through two years with an absolute zoo at quarterback. 
March okay. 14th, 2022. That's when we found out, or that's mm-hmm. when he was given it? That's uh, It says, Commanders uh, expected to reach multi-year extension with offensive coordinator okay. Scott Turner. So that was right. Everybody a, had it. That was right after the Wentz trade. Because mm-hmm. I think the Wentz trade was like March 9th if mem- or March 10th, if memory serves me correct. Either way, they knew that they were going to do a contract extension with Scott Turner. They were aboard with Scott Turner. They were... They believed in Scott Turner. Mm-hmm. They gave him a contract extension. In a year, less than, everything went to shambles because the offense, in some ways, got worse. Obviously, the quarterback situation is still a mess. The offensive line is a mess, much messier than it was in 2021, despite a bunch of injuries then. And... They have to be looking at, along with that, and whatever Scott's involvement in the Carson Wentz acquisition was, and again, I'm sure he had a, a, a influential part. They have to look at that, Pete, and say, okay, wait a second. We have a near mutiny on our hands. We have all these guys going to you know, 40A in the Washington Post. Maybe they planted some of them. I have no idea. We have that. We have people coming to Ron in his office, people coming to Drew Terrell and maybe John Matsko and saying this isn't this doesn't seem right. This doesn't we have Charles Leno and Logan Thomas and maybe Terry McLaurin popping off uh and 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 talking about things like this has to be done. And I don't know if it was just one thing or one or 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 probably just the sum of the parts, but from March 14th when he was like the apple of the eye, right? And Jack, like if you would have, on April 1st mm-hmm. of this year mm-hmm. or this past year, if you would have said the scales of justice, Jack Del Rio or Scott Turner, the scale of justice for Jack Del Rio would have been sinking through the ground. Absolutely. In terms of who was going to get fired. Sure. Especially, I mean, look, we thought perhaps after week two, Jack might be an in-season casual. Yeah. And then Jack went to work and improved his group. And look, I mean, look, you could argue, Chris, when you're only averaging 17 or 18 points a game, you could argue the defense was carrying this team for several weeks. Sure. I mean, it's not even close Yeah, uh, in terms of that debate. Yes, the offense was better. Yes, you had McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, you know, flashing. Hell, we even saw De'Ami Brown catch a deep ball. So – I mean, we've got, and you got Brian Robinson finally back in the lineup. So yeah, you were, you were, you were percolating a little bit there offensively. You were better. You had better skill people. But you still weren't scoring any points. That put the pressure on Jack's defense, and those guys came through. Mm-hmm. I mean, playing it simple, uh, they figured it out. Yeah, um, they wilted a little bit down the stretch in some games. Well, I mean, but but again, again, so much pressure on them. Again, if I tell you that the last you know eight weeks of the season, you're going to have your number one corner twice. Yep. Yep. Okay. No, you're right. You're going to have your number one safety four times out of the eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're not going to have those guys. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, you eventually you lose John Allen. You're starting Mike linebacker. You're st- well, yeah, your Mike linebacker had, did, didn't play virtually. I mean, you right. could argue that your your Mike linebacker that you expected to play all year it didn't even last a quarter of a season. Yeah. So well, that was a dumb decision anyway. We we talked about Cole Holcomb not being. Uh, I mean, Cole Holcomb's had injuries before this past year. They, they, they should yes. have known that. No question. And they didn't. Um, their answer was, well, we'll just sign John Boston. But he figured it out. Jack figured out a way yeah. philosophically yeah. 
to still play defense right. and win games. Okay? You have all this talent on the offensive side. And whether it's, you know, Ron and Marty Marty and Martin sitting in there going, oh, we want to be uh, 1983 handed to John Riggins 35 times in a game, which you're not going to win. And you still, you're. I don't care who he hires the offensive coordinator, you're not going to win doing that every week in the league. But what allows you to do that is you get away with it in a in a couple of games because teams don't have people. You know, you know. I mean, look, what what did Philadelphia do after Washington ran it down their throat, Chris? They started well, they shopping. Went out, they went out and got they started um, shopping and Dominic and Sue, uh, Linval Joseph, Linval and, Joseph and Dominic and Sue, yeah. right? Um, because the the youngster got hurt, right? And Jordan Davis, you, who it, they knew was coming back, but they still right. So they knew they had to bolster their interior. Right. right. So, you know, that game that game probably went, uh, you know, gave them a lot. Hey, look, we can do this with low risk passing, Scott. You know, maybe maybe we need to do this. But if that's truly their philosophy, I come back again mm-hmm. to the question about the football felony. Short yardage, number eight's not on the field. Who's responsible for that? Is that Scott Turner? Is that Ron for not telling Scott Turner, look, it's fourth and one, put number eight in the game, okay? Don't run important plays without, look, Ron right. made it sound yesterday, Ron made it sound yesterday like Brian Robinson was their Walter Payton, was their John Riggins, okay? As soon as we got him back, we started to get better. And remember, in those five, first five games in particular without him, we ran down the numbers. They were virtually 70-30 past a right. run right. without him. Now, they, granted, they, they were right that Brian Robinson was a huge loss because Antonio Gibson was not the but the running it, back no, they but, wanted but, but to run the it, run the ball. But is it because he couldn't do it, or they refused to take a chance on him? Well, doing it? I think they, they obviously were very upset at him for continuously I, fumbling and also being hesitant. I mean, then why is he on your team? Well, because why, he because why he has to, a, because he has a, trade, a much greater skill set. Why did you try to that? make a this is their fault then? Why do you try why did you try to make a guy that was a proven game breaker at wide receiver and try to put him at running back? Why did you do that? I mean, I I don't I don't have the exact answer other than clearly they liked something about he's got a a thicker frame. What is he? Six one two twenty eight somewhere in I mean, that range. He had look. He showed an ability. Speed, athleticism. He showed an ability in a college spread formation right. against Cincinnati with a couple of carries, which was the best defense at the time in the in the American. He made a couple of plays there. You know, made a play against Penn State in the Cotton Bowl, and you know, but that doesn't nece- that that doesn't necessitate a full-time transition right. from wide receiver to a running back for me. And they knew it ahead of time because they drafted Brian Robinson. And, you know, I mean, at that point, hell, you might as well put Antonio back in the wide receiver room. Because you could do, I mean, look, you could do a lot worse right now uh, with the running back room of Robinson, Williams, and Patterson. I mean, I'm just saying, if if that's your feeling, if you're hesitant at all about giving the ball to Antonio Gibson as a running back, then you you need to move him back out to wide receiver. I'm I'm, I'm sure he's going to take the JD McKissick role full time right. now. Right, and th- and but- that's a th- and that's the thing. JD's not going to be back, and I think for the most, even though he can fumble in that role, 
I think there's they're going to ask him to be he's not going to be put in a situation to be more hesitant, more picky if you're and choosy. Two to one, if you're 2 to 1 run the pass philosophically and you want and, and even if you don't trust Gibson, Jonathan Williams, give him the football. I think this 2 to 1 pass thing is I I got to be honest like the, the, it was very clear what their message and mantra was. We want to run the ball. We want to be physical. We want time of possession. Right, all but that. think about this, Chris. I think this two to one notion got you a did, little bit no, out of whack because no. Mayhew mentioned the but other you night they were the more math. two to one. You yeah, I did. did the math yesterday. Think about this. Right, but they weren't two to one. But they were virtually 70 30 pass to run the first right. five games. And where did they end well, up? Well, to your, okay, so to your so point. Over right. the last 12 games, when think you of, said 70 30, that was what? The first four games? Five. Five games. Okay. Uh, so the first, so including the Tennessee game and then not the Chicago game when Carson right. got hurt. So I guess to your point, because they were 52 48 ish over the season, over the last. 12 games, they Think were about what they almost had to be. 2 to 1. Yeah. Is, is what you're saying. Right. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. I guess I didn't do the math right on that. Um, that's why I'm here. Do, do, do you, but, all right, so let me ask it this way. Because somebody asked me this on tw- Twitter. I think it was Twitter yesterday. If they had Aaron Rodgers, if they had Tom Brady, they sure as bleep wouldn't be 2 to 1. Were they two to one down the stretch because they knew they were screwed? If that's Meaning, their philosophy, why did they go back to Carson Wentz in the in the biggest game? Well, because of the year? they were just hoping. Who? But who? Who pushed for that? He gave them a little shot in the arm against San Francisco late, and they were just hoping. Was that Ron or was that Scott Turner? I mean, Ron says it was his decision. Everybody keeps wanting to say I didn't want anything to do with Carson. Well, bullshit. I'm the fucking guy. That pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking when we were in Indianapolis. Okay. Yes, Ron. Commander. Ron. I like Ron. I mean, look, I love Ron. I like Ron, a fiery Ron. Ron, but Ron, Ron goes to bat for his guys. Ron's going to protect his guys. That that's fine. I'm the one who pulled out the sheets of paper. I'm going to pull out some sheets of paper from my work bag. I mean, but but if if Just if don't bring if out sheets of toilet paper. If your philosophy is that. <gasps> Why did you go back to Carson Wentz? In Again, the they were biggest they were looking for game a game of the season. They were just they were looking for a guy, yes, who could execute and what they apparent, wanted to do, and it was but also give them a little in the more game, juice. It was apparent in the game that he did not have it. Yeah, and you chose not to right. make a change because they don't believe in Heineke. They don't believe in Heineke, and and you know what? Honestly, I, I hate to say this. They, they have reason to b- not believe in Heineke. Heineke, again, I'll, I'll, I'll just keep saying Look, this over and over and over again. He's a backup quarterback. Yeah, he's good he's for fine. one or two drives a game. That's right, but it, he's fine period. That. Look, he, look, again, he is your – Taylor Heineke proved he belonged in the National Football League, and he is as competent as any other backup virtually in the league. Okay? So, from that standpoint, he, he belongs – my my point and the point of many others is when Carson Wentz got hurt, okay, he was not tearing it up, and you didn't even give him the courtesy of when the starter is healthy again because what do teams do, Chris, when their quarterback is even 80% or 85%, they rush that guy. They get right. that guy back in the lineup as right. fast as humanly possible. Right. They didn't do that. But they because they because they knew – that Wentz was already struggling emotionally and physically, mentally, whatever, before the injury. 
then they knew that Heineke, even with all of his shortcomings, had that special gene that Wentz didn't have. They knew. Played they knew. a good first half against San Francisco, and basically, you know, things went bad when they started putting, you know, Rydell's in his ribs. Yeah. That's not his fault. It's not his fault when, you know, Bosa and the rest of that defense comes in and no. puts their Rydell right in your rib. No, but that, but that's also the NFL. I, I mean, agree. you know, what What would, I, I mean, I don't know what Taylor Heineke would have done when Aiden Hutchinson Same was thing putting his Rydell Car- right. in, in, in Carson Wentz's 100% correct. 100% correct. Yeah. But they didn't even give Carson the courtesy flush of as soon as you're reasonably healthy, we're going to rush you back because mm-hmm. that's what, that's what teams do. Right. Okay. But I think, but I think to be fair to them, it would have been a really hard thing for them to do. It would have been a really hard thing for them to do when he came back. Now, if you want to say, well, Chris, by the time he was activated on game day, Heineke was struggling. They should have gone to him for the Sunday night uh, or or for the, the, the Christmas Eve game in San Francisco, what have you. I mean, listen, I, I can make an argument. Yeah, you're right. They were trying to give Heineke a chance to work it all out. They were trying to keep whatever momentum they were holding on to, and it didn't work. And then ultimately, because they're going to move on from Wentz, and they might be moving on from Heineke, depending on the market, they had to find one other thing to clean up. It's almost like, well, I'm going to save this comparison for later on in the show for touchdown attempt because we, we you know, we're, we're going to get all the calls and whatever we've got. ABC, anything but Commanders. We wanted to open up, obviously, on the Scott Turner situation. Everyone knew he was going to get fired. And if they didn't fire him, it was going to be a complete mutiny. And it was going to be, I mean, Ron knew he had no choice. Regardless of whether Ron saw it or not, and I'd like to believe that Ron saw all of the things we've been bitching about. I mean, there's so many things on the table here. Ron had to have seen it didn't need to be pushed that way by the fan base or by Twitter. Ron had to see it. But a lot went wrong from the way they felt about Scott Turner in mid-March to the way they felt about Scott Turner midway through this year. A lot went wrong. Again, midway through this year, I talked to somebody that said, Ron's not happy. Mm -hmm. If Scott doesn't get this gravy train going, Scott's going to be in big-time trouble. I mean, Scott, Midway look, to, defend, this year. to defend Scott, though, I mean, again, he's out there with a broken Carson Wentz I know. and a limited Taylor Heineke. I know. That's what they, that's what they had. So, I mean, and in the final and game, an offensive how ironic, channels. how ironic. If you score 26 on three or four more occasions like you did in the finale against a good defense, everybody's happy. Everybody's in the playoffs. And nobody's getting fired. How about that? So, I mean, you saw what you had in the last game with a guy that would hang in there, throw the ball, could run it a little bit, run it with confidence, play with confidence. How about that? Play with confidence. I mean, Taylor plays with confidence, but Sam Howe plays with confidence and has the howitzer, uh, as evidenced by a 60-yard throw on the run. Terry McLaurin never has to break stride. I mean, that's... Uh, that's what is so, to me, that's what's so disappointing, I'm sure, for Scott Turner is he'll look at that and go, wow, look, when I had that weapon, yep. look at what my offense did. Yep. Joey Sly leaves seven more points out there. They could have won that game 33-6. to six. Yep. Okay? 
And that's, to me, that would have been a, a huge lasting impression to walk into the office and tell Ron and the other players, hey, fellas, look, see, we can do this. We can do this. We have the parts to do this. We just didn't until week 17 and the season was over. 301 That's how you get in line with us. Touchdown at 10 coming up top of the hour. Anything but commanders. How about a hockey player having to have his ear sewn back on? Yeah. We'll talk about that next right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Touchdown at 10's a half hour away. We'll get into your calls on Scott Turner. This is probably Scott Turner's favorite new segment. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, Scotty boy. Um, anything but commanders. Give a couple of things to mention here. Actually, Scott's probably the one that benefits. Yeah. Former Oakton High quarterback Scott Turner out as the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. We'll spend a lot of time on that with you on the phones today. A couple of notes, though, for anything but Commanders. Um, I, I, and I'll start locally. There, Obviously, globally, there is a huge one. But um, John Carlson basically having to have that ear essentially reattached after we knew it was bad with the yeah. amount of blood that yeah. we saw with him going off the ice. Uh, we didn't realize it was this entailed for the Capitals' defenseman and the reason why he's out uh, for for a while here for Washington. Right, as is traditional hot. I mean, and people, some people get bothered by this. Some people don't. Maybe you just understand it as part of the the fabric of the game. They don't give you much information on injuries. No. Right? They, they the hockey for whatever is even more restrictive and vague and cloudy than a football coach trying to hide, you know, a, 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 a sprained pinky finger. Um, so we didn't know. We knew it was obviously something, like you said, to the head and face area, a lot of blood. Uh, I was at that game. I didn't realize, honestly, because we were at the other end, how bad it was until you go back and watch. I mean, horrific. Mm-hmm. So his wife, this is not a media report. His wife, um, I forgot who has it. Was it Jasper's Rink? Uh, I, I, I forget where I read it last night. Whoever it was wrote it up. But his wife, Gina, said, now that you have your ear reattached, lovey-dovey, you're the best husband in the world. You're the best daddy in the world. You're the best man in the world. You are the, my, my rock, this, that. And the other. I mean, it was a loving, loving, loving I mean, if you like John Carlson walks on water in her mind. Well, she she I mean, she should think that way. He he makes a lot of money. Right. He provides for the family. Right. But you but know, also they're not the, living on food stamps. No, but also apparently like the things that Lauren and he Igloo does in Saskatchewan. The things so. that he does behind the scenes, like sure, she was absolutely. saying, she was really no sick Christmas Eve. Uh, he he got out of the hospital, uh, did all the toys, all you know, whatever. I don't want to get too much into their family stuff, but it was a really, really, really sweet, like deep, layered letter. But the the news item was now that you have your ear reattached. So without the benefit of being able to confirm, we're just going to assume that the woman that he has been married to. For the last, I don't know, eight to ten years or whatever it is, knows what she's talking about and isn't going to screw and botch this one up. Yeah. And 
John Carlson got hit with a puck from his former teammate. From his former teammate, Brendan Dillon, Mm -hmm. in town with the Winnipeg Jets. Got hit with the puck so hard, so high, so ferociously that his ear was severed off. I don't know if his ear was completely off. Or if it was certainly, it certainly required. I I don't know. It certainly required some reattachment of some kind. I mean, not necessarily. I'm sure it didn't fall completely off. Like when Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's Mm -hmm. ear, he didn't like. No, he bit Evander Holyfield's entire ear. Yeah, like kind of where you put like your earring in or something like that. Exactly. So I, I mean, I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm guessing. That maybe again it was dangling or something, which is gross in and of itself. And so, so they surgically reattached it, and the dude was out of the hospital in 24 hours. Hockey player, right? Hockey player. <laughs> now you say, well, if he was a real hockey player, he'd be back soon. Apparently, by all reports and by all indications, and I even heard Laviolette, you know, say to the junkies this morning on the way in. You know, that is going to be a while. Now, they're talking about potentially weeks upon weeks yes, upon weeks. because if you just had, I'm assuming, right. an ear reattached, right. if you take a couple of shots, uh, and I'm talking about like checks up against the boards with a helmet on and everything the wrong way, you could conceivably do damage to the stitching and all the other stuff. That that takes a while Correct. for that, you know, just like, you know, when I have my melanoma stuff here, you know, all that stuff, that takes a long yep. time to... Yep you know, kind of come back together and, you know, heal up and everything. So uh, you can't wait. You're, you're talking about a guy's ear. Yeah. <laughs> you well, and, and you're also talking about, I mean, wearing a helmet, right? Yeah, Sweat, sure. you know, physical contact Infection, to the head and neck I mean, area. Infe- all kinds yeah, of, stuff all sorts of stuff that, that could happen there. Right. Um, but that's the, the, so you knew there was more to it. Yeah. And just you know, crazy. The, the mean, details on that were, uh, were ridiculous globally. Yes. WWE, man, what uh, the hell is happening there? All right. I mean, look, for, by the way, by the way, families that have a lot of money, okay? Right. This is not new. And I don't know why this happens. I don't know if it's everybody's greed or whatever, but this is family, man. And and now, I mean, I don't know if Steph is is stepping aside for Pops, you know, willingly here, um, but, you know, because it looks like at least according to her letter, you know, uh Triple H is still going to be, yep. you know, very involved. Yep. At the executive level, so it's it's not. In other words, you know, she can do more stuff with her family, and, and Triple H will handle all the business matters. But Vince being back and uh, allegedly under Saudi ownership now going forward. So, so a couple of things here. Uh, there was that report about. It, you're absolutely right about Stephanie McMahon. Now, if, from all indications, based on her letter, based on her words, it's not like an acrimonious type thing. Now, remember her brother Shane, who was an in-ring performer too. He was apparently fired. And let go from WWE, mm-hmm. which when you're like the heir to the throne, what does that tell you? I, I don't know what that all tells you. I don't know. Maybe uh, punched his dad in the face. Yeah. Apparently, this is much, 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 much different because, like you mentioned, Triple H, her husband, still running creative. And a lot of people think he's done a great job. And, you know, from what I've seen, he's certainly done a better job than the product was with Vince McMahon running it up until like, what, mid June or July or whatever it was. Now, as far as the sale, and uh, Kudos and a hat tip to uh, our guy D-Day 
Denton mm-hmm. Day, who, uh, of course, you can hear from time to time on, on 106.7 and 980, uh, certainly was part of our game day coverage along with Linnell throughout the year. Works with and Kevin every morning. of course works with Kevin every morning from 6 to 9. He mentioned that the report about the WWE being sold to Saudi Arabia's public investment fund was not true, according to Ariel Hawani. Uh, now, Ariel Hawani is obviously very dialed into UFC, but he does dabble in some wrestling news and what have you. Now, here's the deal. I wouldn't say it's completely false, the report. The way Hawani tweeted just about a half an hour ago, uh, at Ariel Hawani, uh, contrary to reports stating otherwise last night, there is no deal in place at this precise moment for WWE to be sold to Saudi Arabia's public investment fund or any entity, sources say. The organization is still exploring all options, I'm told. Now, that doesn't mean, the way I interpret that, and maybe I'm wrong, that doesn't mean that eventually there won't be a deal in place for WWE to sell to Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. But what could have happened here is somebody got eager beaver, went with the news, I forget who had it. It wasn't anybody that I was aware of, so I, w- I was leery from the start when I saw it last night. But maybe somebody leaked that out with the thought that we can get other bidders Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Here. Yeah, I mean, and, and it'll light a fire under the other right. uh, Other people who maybe had been knocking, you know, knocking on the door, right. making some phone calls, showing some interest, right. uh, maybe this speeds up the process right. uh, just a little bit. Just like it did for the learners. Speaking of the learners, no sale. Um, uh, to me, this this is very simple to me, though, Chris. Uh, the learners want fair, what they feel is fair value yeah. for their product, and the people that are buying are looking at the value, and and I think the value is, is again, because of the lack of clarity for your TV deal yes. and the involvement of Masson still, to me, makes this... You know, it still clouds it. That clouds the value. the The learners can't get what they feel is fair value, and the buyer also feels like they can't get what is fair value. Whether it's Ted or whether there's some mystery right. bidder out there that we're not aware of, because you don't control the rights, you don't control the and rights. you don't make the money. Not that you're going to make what the Yankees and the Dodgers make, but you're going to make. You know, Washington D.C. is a what. Top eight market, mm-hmm. but you, you, yeah, I mean, look, but you have to, you have to understand why the learners are standing their ground on what they feel is the value, yeah, and you can also understand buyers not wanting to enter a picture that still has some cloudiness to All it. Right here's the it's problem. a hell of an investment you're about to make. Here's the problem: if the initial report from John Heyman was correct back in August, I think it was that they were looking for as much as three billion dollars for the nationals Mm -hmm. again i heard not that not that this is anything official but jason of the junkies lurch papa i don't know who gave him this information but he's connected he was saying that the offers or many of the offers or all of the offers i'm not sure exactly pete were in the like 1.2 billion dollar range 1.3 billion dollar range if the learners were asking for closer to $3 billion, and if the offers were coming in at $1.2, let us just say $1.5, they ain't ever selling this team until they back down and 
whether they feel they're right or not, whatever the deal is with the Masson deal or not, and this is, you know, a lot of this information coming, uh, you know, from our, our pals at TalkNats, they do a great job. Uh, and they've got a big write-up. You should read it. I, I think I retweeted it yesterday, if, if memory serves. Um, but but then sprinkling in what I Jason mean, Forbes, said this morning. Forbes had Forbes had them at in back in March at two billion dollars. Right, but but remember, Forbes isn't Forbes is the Bible of finances, but it's not like. I don't think Forbes had the Denver Broncos valued at four point six five billion, right? I don't think the 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 Forbes doesn't have the Commanders valued at seven point five billion. But if we believe reports from Mike Ozan and, and is is he with Forbes? And, and not only that, not only that. Um, I mean, we we know that bidding takes on a different Washington's Washington's valuation actually went up four percent. There was only one team. That in Forbes's uh, in Forbes's notes had a decrease in their valuation. Ironically, it's the other Masson team, Baltimore. Yeah. They went down four yeah. percent in their valuation, and that's the team that now is heading up on the field. And a little seemed, bit, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, certainly more interesting, uh, you know, this past year. But I, I guess my point is, is we can't just look at whatever Forbes says and say that's the price approximately a team is going to sell for, right? Because they're doing their own methodology and what have you. But we all know you have more bidders, the price is going to go up. You have less bidders, you have a convoluted mass in situation, the price is probably going to go down. So I guess my overall arching point is if the learners are still looking for, let's just say, $2.5 billion plus or closer to $3 billion, and Pete, if Lurch's report and, and what he mentioned this morning, which I had heard before, if his report is right that bidders were bidding no more than say like 1.2 to 1.4 ish billion that's a huge yeah well i mean chris it's just close. like when you go to a flea market or you go to a yard sale you're you're try- somebody's got a little sticker that says $5 on an item 99% of people are offering one right. okay you you start that's where negotiation starts you try to meet somewhere in the middle and that's kind of where that Forbes figure would be. It's somewhere right in the middle of what the learners are probably asking for in terms of uh, price tag mm-hmm. and where other bidders are. And again, that's fair. The I, I of course I'm telling you the the fact the people that are bidding a little over a million and a half or whatever, it's because they know immediately they can't get money back out of this thing. In terms of TV rights, maybe you could sell naming rights to the stadium, oh, something like that. How's that gone over the last I'm eight years for just, the learners? I'm just saying, you know, I mean, there, there, there's ways you can make money, but to make this type of money and turn it over and you know get get it back faster, um, TV cash has to have something to do with that on I the agree. local level. So. I agree. But that's why they are stuck where they're at. 301-230-0980. Those are our anything but commander's notes. Scott Turner is out. Ron Rivera stood before you yesterday and said, yep, he did his job. <laughs> it was just kind of funny the way, dun, he, dun, dun, dun. the way he said that yesterday. And then, of course, a few hours later, he made Russell completely rechange his podcast and announced that he was fired. Maybe Ron, maybe Ron went to lunch, had alfalfa sprouts and uh, and hummus at one thirty, and then came upon an epiphany and said, "You know what? I'm going to fire this Scott Turner guy. I'm going to 
fire him at 302, and then leak it to J.P. Finley. 301-230-0980. That's how you discuss it with us right now. The big fella has a look at what's trending. All right, as we've been mentioning, Scott Turner fired after three seasons as offensive coordinator. Now, according to WUSA 9's Darren Haynes, the replacement will not, not come from within the organization. Some had speculated, of course, quarterbacks coach Ken Zampezi could be in line. Meanwhile, the Wizards try and snap a three-game losing streak already without Bradley Beal for tonight, maybe without... Uh, Daniel Gafford and others, they're in Chicago, uh, they're home for Chicago right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app, 645 for the pregame. Caps in Philadelphia later tonight uh, at 7 o'clock. Again, 645 pregame, 106.7 the fan and Odyssey. How about Georgetown? Big hand for the Hoyas. They lose again last night to Seton Hall. 679 days since they've won a regular season Big East game. 27 straight Big East losses and 12 uh, 32, rather, games in a row to power uh, conference teams. Of course, not a good sight last night at Capital One Arena for embattled head coach Patrick Ewing. Hokies hoops tonight on Bloomberg 99-1 against Syracuse at 630, and that's what's trending. Oh, yes, Virginia. It's much too late. Not for Virginia, though. They got it together late. They were down 34-27 to Carolina without Armando Baycott. Cavaliers rallied last night for the 65-58 victory. As Bruce Allen once said, Virginia's doing great! Yes, they did last night. Uh, Mike Bray got a badly needed win. Mike's clock is probably ticking at Notre Dame. They don't, they don't win. Uh, they're one and five in the ACC after beating Georgia Tech in overtime last night. They were now sixty three fifty six late. And what came happened back to, to that program? I heard you and Lurchie kind of. Yeah, I, uh, I don't understand the future there. I don't understand how. I mean, I don't know how much NILs in place at yeah. Notre Dame or somewhere like that for basketball. Um, but there's no excuse for Notre Dame to be nine and eight. Just that's the way it is every year, seemingly yeah. for them um, right now. So um, you know, maybe they can hire Scott Turner. Maybe they need a little offensive boost. Um, you know. By the way, what's the he 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 had been in between his stints with Ron. He'd been in Cleveland and Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his future? Is he is he an OC again in the league, or is his next step probably uh, collect a, a year of money, maybe search the college game for a head coaching job, or uh, pretty much stay in the pros, maybe uh, step down as a quarterback coach or something? Uh, you know, it's a great question. Um, I would say more likely a quarterback's coach than a college head coach or offensive coordinator. But I will say this. Some of his wacky creativity, mm-hmm. I could see working pretty well on the college level. Now, we're not talking about at Michigan if Jim Harbaugh leaves. We're not talking about, you know, at like a premier institution, right, or a premier football factory. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking about, um, you know, if Nick Saban just suddenly decides to retire, <laughs> uh, you know, Scott Turner going there. But, I mean, could you see, could you see, 
and you're the guy that watches way more smaller levels of college football, a guy like Scott Turner going to, and I, I, I don't know the coaching situation, so forgive me, you know, a Montana State or a, 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 a uh, Utah State, not Utah, Utah State, somebody like that, maybe not a premier, premier program, and bringing some of his creativity there and his youthful energy. Remember, he's only, what, 39, 40, whatever, uh, maybe he's 40 at this point. I could see that as maybe an OC, but if it's the right school, could I see a chance that somebody – because of who his dad is and because of his experience level, sure, I could see that if it's a smaller, smaller program. He's not going to, again, if Nick Saban retires, which he's not going to, uh, he's not going to an SEC school or a Big Ten school to be the head coach. Offensive coordinator? Possibly. I could see that. I mean, I just, you know, here's a guy now that has hitched his giddy up to Ron twice. Is it him or is it Ron? Is is Ron's issue hitching his giddy up to Scott Turner offensively? I mean, I because they're I, they're linked. Whether they like it or not, they are linked, linked together. But they are philosophically different, right? They, and I'd I'd like to think football people understand that they're philosophically different, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Scott will preach that message as well. The question becomes: Is was Scott too over aggressive? For what he should have been, for the ingredients that he had, that that'll be a question. And then, to your point, and I heard a lot of people mention this: Does Scott find a way? Again, he is not a bad offensive mind. He, is, I don't think he's a bad offensive coordinator. I think he had a, a a tough year this year. Can Scott find a way to get that that feel, that innate sense of of rhythm? that you've talked about a lot, that people talk about Kyle Shanahan having, that people talk about Sean McVay at one point not having and then having. Again, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. But like the notion that Scott Turner doesn't deserve another crack at a good job is kind of crazy to me. But Pete, I... I mean, of course he would never be a head coach in the NFL right now. I don't know if his resume is good enough to hire him as an offensive coordinator unless you have virtually no other choice. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to know. I'd love to know if Mike Tomlin might entertain him in Pittsburgh Ooh, because Matt if Canada they blow out back. Matt, Matt, Canada. Matt Canada wasn't great. They averaged less points a game than Washington did. Yeah. But the one thing you would say about Canada, and I know people hate him. Oh, Canada. I don't hate him like other people hate him. I I, I think that's a little I over the top. I think it's a bland offense. I, you know, he wasn't bland at Maryland in terms of all the jet sweep and eye candy emotion stuff. And that, he runs that, a lot of that at Pittsburgh. Right, but that's you got to have a good quarterback. you got to have a good offensive line. That's they Harry haven't. high school stuff. I know, but they haven't. See, this is the thing that I struggle with. I blame more the players or the lack of talent or the lack of execution. Most people in our field and most fans blame the coaches for lack of creativity or smarts or common sense or what have you. The truth is somewhere in between. The truth is somewhere in between. Has Matt Canada 
quite honestly, even with Kenny Pickett coming on down the stretch, Matt Canada had a good quarterback to work with. Ben Roethlisberger's a Hall of Famer. He was done stick and forking him for the last two years of his career. He had Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster dropping every other pass. Like, is that Matt Canada? Or is, I'm not saying he's perfect, and their but, offensive but your, line had been great. To your either. point, right? Well, yes, that's, absolutely. That's key. To your point, maybe, maybe with a stable head coach, Scott Turner could could get that opportunity right away as an offensive coordinator. Maybe, maybe, maybe a Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland who's looking to maybe relinquish play calling duties. You never know. <sighs> I mean, you're probably. I shouldn't dismiss it. He, he. You would agree. He can't become a head coach. Obviously, no, not, not even this. in college, right? Uh, well, not now because there's not right. going to be any jobs available. Right. But yeah, um, I mean, it would be. To, I think Scott is a pro lifestyle guy. Yeah. I, I unless you know uh, unless he wants to take a huge step back. Same thing with Jay. I mean, Jay, Jay, Jay probably could have gotten a. Jay could probably get an FCS job oh, yeah. somewhere or Division II job. Re- Jay doesn't want to recruit and right. deal with NIL and deal with yeah. you know academics and all that crap. If I'm Mike Tomlin or Ron Rivera, I'd have a conversation with Jay Gruden. As a coordinator, Jay Gruden did a lot of good work in Cincinnati with Andy Dalton. Okay, with Andy Dalton, did a lot of good work. You think Ron, you think Jay Gruden would want to come back here? I think Jay Gruden would take any offensive coordinator job within reason right now in the National Football League. Well, he said something with Grant and Danny I heard that he didn't what he say said. with us. I heard what he said yesterday. So maybe I shouldn't dismiss it. I heard what he said yesterday. And, I mean, and perhaps that is coming around the corner. Yeah. We'll see. We didn't directly ask him, but we asked him about his future and what mm-hmm. he kind of wants. And he kept saying, oh, I'm too old. I'm too old. Jay's not too old. No, definitely I mean, not. I, I mean, Jay was hurt by what, what, whatever is the truth about his brother Obviously, Jay had some incidents that are, you know, that people know about, but, you know, Jay's not too old. Your reaction to Scott Turner getting fired, 301-230-0980. Touchdown at 10 is next right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.